you ever consider not fighting Dillian White? Not fighting him? Yeah. Did you ever consider that? No, I would. And I'm due an easy fight anyway. So yeah, he'd have been ideal really. And he'd heavy bag on legs is what I'm after to be honest. And he'd have been the ideal candidate to be fair. But you know, I'm sure that he's got his own legal situations going on and they need to sort that out first. But you know, I don't care who they fight. I'll take the, the little cruiserweight guy, I'll show you how to give a little small man a good idea. I'll run him over. If it looked like he's been run over by an 18 wheeler, just like Deontay Wilder, but I'll reverse back over him and I'll run him over again. That's what I'll do with him. Tice, how long before you kind of decide what you're going to do then? I am definitely them? fighting end of February, early March, 1 million percent. There is no inputs or maybes about it, or I will sack my full promotional outfit and I'll promote myself. Gypsy King Promotions. There you go. What else? So either way, you're fighting. Either way, I'll yeah. be fighting end of February, early March. That's 100% guaranteed. And welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where it turns out Adam Smith wasn't the coolest Smith at that boxing show on Saturday. So not even the coolest member of his family. Imagine that. Yeah, what, what an absolute brilliant night that was. So if you've caught episode one, well, the earlier version of this, you'll know that was solely dedicated to Dan. And, you know, I felt that was the right thing to do. Because, you know, there are a lot of elements to that. And just for me personally, it's something that was important to me. This time we can talk more about the, the boxer show in general. And, you know, remember, it splits a lot of opinion at the moment. So the high level debates you get at the moment are talking to the people on the ground. They love the events and they love the occasions because they're not, they're not small hall shows, which are a bit bit okey-dokey, a bit rinky-dink sometimes, right? It's, you know, rough and ready, a bit DIY. But it's not that overblown extravagance and needless ostentation that you get with a matchroom show, with often the fights not delivering to that level. So it's pitched somewhere between those two pillars, which is really good because as fans, you get to mingle with people who are in the sport and, you know, as as people in the sport, it's a reunion for us. It's always nice to catch up with people. So I like what they're doing at the moment where they're cutting their cloth according to their means. And they're saying, look, we can fill Wembley for now. Let's focus on filling Wembley and having good shows here. My expectation is as, as the names grow and as the profile grows and as interest grows, you start to move to maybe places like the Copper Box and then you move on to the O2 for the bigger events would be my expectation. And I like the fact that this is an incremental process and they're not just saying we're just going to be blockbuster all the way through because that's not what you want. You know, I think for too long we were chasing Wembley fights, we were chasing O2 fights and we kept hearing that so often that it became normal to boxing fans. But actually, very rarely did they deliver. I keep saying this. Did Ian White deliver better pay-per-views than Anthony Joshua? Don't at me. You know, you can only come at me with evidence to the contrary, but that's what I do think. Between those two, Dillian's delivered more on the pay-per-view stage and he hasn't done Wembley. So there is that debate right now. And as a viewer at home, I think you see it differently where you're saying, this isn't what I'm used to. 
but I'll come back to all of this later. But it is what you're used to. It's just repackaged. And you allowed Eddie Hearn's words to distort your your value of certain fighters. So, you know, we overrate some fighters and we underrate others. But I just wanted to talk about the card in general because I thought I thought it was an okay card for, like I said, for what they're trying to achieve in terms of building people who might go on to bigger and better things. We're in that phase now where it's not always going to be glamorous, but it should always be entertaining. So for personal reasons and being purely indulgent, I want to start with Jermaine Brown. So Jermaine fights, I think it's Andre Badera, Czech guy. Tough as old boots. Most amazing talent ever, no. But he came to he came to swing it out. And Jermaine's caught in this, so he's caught between two stools, right? If you've ever met Jermaine, Jermaine could easily be in a boy band. Like he could have, he could have been in like Color Me Bad or something. He could have been in New Edition. He's got that sort of look to him. But what Jermaine really loves is fighting. He loves to fight. And nature hasn't favored him because what it's given him is really long arms and really long legs. So Jermaine's at his best at long distance. Like he can pick you off with a jab and a one-two all day. But I always wonder if he really enjoys doing that or if he enjoys being in the trenches and just banging out. Because he seems comfortable doing one and less comfortable doing the other. And the art of a professional boxer is you should be equally comfortable doing both. And I think he's, he's on that journey at the moment where he's got to decide which way he's going to do it. There's no right way. There's only the way that you can make work consistently up the levels. So it's a six rounder, which is down from the 10 that he had with Jamal Ledoux. And if you remember, that fight was going to be a 50-50 and Jermaine made it a lot less competitive than people thought it would be. Because, like I said, freakishly long arms and a damn good jab. And he's got this switch within him where he just decides he wants to hurt someone and he can go for it. And you saw a lot of that in this fight. And I know if you, if you listen to the corner work from the broadcast, throughout that fight, Adam was imploring, look, just stick to your jab, keep it long which was echoing what Matt Macklin was saying, that Jermaine didn't have to get involved. But sometimes I think he just wanted to get involved because he could and he enjoyed it. And you can do that at that level. I don't think you can do it at the higher levels when people are actually coming to to take your head clean off and have the tools to do so. But I really enjoyed that fight. And if you want to know how good Jermaine could be, there's there are large parts of that fourth round where he looked impossible to deal with. Now, if he could clip that and sustain it round after round, it would be insane. Because boxing is really simple. If you can do it all off the jab, why do it any other way? Why gamble by trying to throw big right hands out of nowhere? Just do it all off the jab. Uh, there's some things that he will probably learn over time. Like I'm a real stickler for, for hip speed. When I watch guys punch, how fast do your hips move? Because that tells me whether you're punching with your legs or you're punching with your hands. And a lot of guys in boxing, you won't notice this unless you've had to teach people how to punch. A lot of guys punch with their hands because that's what they've been taught. You know, so they throw the jab from the hand. It's all about what the hand does. But the guys who go far, the guys who do the most damage, they're always thinking about their legs. And what they're able to do is then whip the hips in really quickly to get that added velocity and torque. And I think that's what Jermaine's missing at the moment if he wants to get those knockouts. Because remember, really, like, punch power is a function of two things. How much force you generate and the size of the contact area. 
So you want to be looking at ways of generating more force, but reducing your contact area. If you can keep it down to one knuckle, you'll probably knock out most people you touch. Two knuckles, same again. But if you're using the full full front of the glove, then they become like clubbing shots, which are heavy, but they're they're not the knockout show. They're not the knockout blows you're looking for. But over the six rounds, um, Jermaine had three really good rounds, two okay rounds in a round where he should have been a bit more switched on. And he will be against better opponents. And maybe that's what you need. Instead of learning fights, maybe he needs to feel that pressure on a regular basis of, you know, if I'm not switched on here, I might lose this. Because sometimes I wonder if the notion of learning fights is overrated. Because if you need X number of learning fights, then what are you doing in the gym? What kind of sparring are you getting where you need so many fights in order to work out if you're an elite level pro or not? We need to look at that, I think. So I think it's, that's more about just better quality sparring, better this. But you know I mean, but I'm happy for Jermaine. I'm happy for Ad. I'm happy for Mick. And here's something I want to say. Some trainers don't get the shine they deserve. I said it in the previous episode, you've got to salute Brian O'Shaughnessy because he's delivered a British champion from debut. When Adam Martin delivers a British title for Jermaine Brown, we'll have to salute him. But how long do these young fighters have to wait before they say, actually, these guys are proving themselves? Maybe that's the camp I need to align myself to. Because you can't keep going to the same name brand trainers, you know, time after time after time, only to be disappointed, then start changing your trainer. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to rack my head. I don't think I've ever told a guy to leave a trainer. I've always asked questions about the setup, but I've never said to someone, you need to leave a trainer because I genuinely think once you start with someone, you may as well finish with them because you're going to be 80% of what they taught you for the rest of your career anyway. So with that considered, all I will say is really happy for Jermaine. Um, He's a televised fighter now. He's on that platform. And now it's 100% on him to turn that exposure into a lucrative and successful career. Now he's got all the right people around him. He's got all the right support. Now he's going to make that move. For Adam... I hope this now means Adam gets a better quality of guy walking through the door. And that's no disrespect to the guys he works with now, but it's saying, you know, he's earned that right for better guys to come to him and say, look, can you help me be a little bit crisper? Can you help me be better? He's earned the right. I'm also thinking, what do you say about Natasha Jonas that hasn't been said already? Literally the woman that can do it all. Natasha Jonas can fight. Natasha Jonas can talk boxing. Natasha Jonas is glamorous. Natasha Jonas is funny. Natasha Jonas even looks amazing having breakfast. There's nothing she can't do. Now, was was Saturday night's fight a walkover and just something to keep her busy? 100%. But we have enough respect for her that we'll, we, we'll swallow that from Natasha Jonas because of who she is and what she does. She gives a lot more than just boxing to the sport. Let's be clear about that. So, routine fight for her. Um, what did she just battered the girl, didn't she? Once she got comfortable and got her range, she battered her. If you were going to say something, you'd say you'd like to see an evolution in Natasha Jonas now. She's shown us that she's got the distance control, the range control, the timing, all of this. It would be nice to see her turn into that kind of southpaw combination puncher, which is becoming more of a trend now. I think the the guy who really kind of flipped it that way was Errol Spence, more so, in terms of that 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 all court attack from the southpaw position. 
And I think she could do that. And that's how you beat people like Katie Taylor. It's not by getting a good shot here and there. It's by that sheer volume. And then over time, being able to then pick the finer shots. You draw them into that kind of fight and then you start picking them off. And then when they realize you're picking them off, you go straight back to what you did before. And I think Tasha can do that. She's got years left in the sport. You know, people are talking about she's 37. But I think for female boxing, you can go into your 40s with no real drop-off in performance. Uh, people like Delphine Persuna are showing you can go later into, into adulthood than you can maybe as a male boxer, which is a function of how the, the hormone profiles change as you age between men and women. But I absolutely loved watching Natasha Jonas. What a class act. And then she was able to just shower, change, you know, get the makeup on and hit the, I mean, hit the punditry booth. What more can you say about the lady that hasn't been said before? And then I want to touch on Mikel Lowell. And if you go back to the previous episode, I'm going to keep driving you guys back to there because otherwise there's no point in recording multiple episodes. But I said the problem we have at light heavyweight is we've got a load of guys who are making credible claims to being number one. Sometimes they're on the same network, sometimes they're on different networks. Now, with Mikel Lowell, you've got a guy who I don't think is out of place against a Riakpo. I don't think he's out of place against a Billum Smith. I don't think he's out of place against an Isaac Chamberlain. I really, really don't. Yet, we don't hear that noise. And we're getting to this point quickly where we're going to have all these cruiserweights spread across networks and we're not going to, we're not going to see these fights. So I'm hoping that boxer aren't going to drag out this Mikel Lawal on the same show as Richard Riakpo before these guys just fight each other, right? And they give us one person that we can get behind. But I really enjoy watching Mikel Lawal because it's all heavy leather. It's all heavy leather. It's, it, you know, it's, it's heavy, heavy leather. And as a fan, I enjoy that. Could you add more levels to his game? Yes, but what would that take away from what he currently does? Answer is I don't know. But he's enjoyable as he is and you can see him landing the shots he lands on anybody. Now the question is, can they take them? Uh, the guy he fought on Saturday, and I forget his name. I want to say Bazera. No, it's probably not Bazera. But he got dropped early in the fight. He got dropped with a left hook, then got dropped with a right hand. It might have been in round two. And then the, the final round, the, the right hand that Mikel Lowell detonated on him. Jeez. <laughs> that, I can see why they had to get the medical attention in there because that looked so brutal. It's rare you see that kind of one punch, like wham, have some of that. And so you worry when you do. But there's a guy, put him in with Richard Riakpour, put him in with Chris Billum-Smith, put him in with Isaac Chamberlain. I think he's a life dog in the fight. Put him in with Jack Massey, who's about to do the IBO thing. You know, these are all live opponents, and eventually we're going to get bored of seeing them against guys that don't mean anything. So the sooner we can start talking about these domestic dust-ups, the better. And I hope the broadcaster's driving that and not necessarily the fighter. Yeah. So no, good luck to him. He's he's got that kind of thing that JP also has, but maybe a heavyweight where they're patient with their work, but because they hit so hard, they can afford to be. You know, Mikel doesn't really get hit clean a lot, and he's got time to work around you. He, he's mobile for a cruiserweight, which is always good. You know, I don't know how long you can be mobile for, but he's twenty six, so he's still young. He's younger than all of his, 
his contemporaries. So he's got time on those guys. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think he's about him and Isaac, probably peers in terms of age. So that's a good fight. The other two guys to talk about are the Azim brothers. Now, they were very visible during the hotel. I love that. You know, everything's white with them, white track suits, white kit, white t-shirts. Don't even ask me which is which. I think you've got Hassan Azim, who's the bigger guy. He looked huge. He's like six foot, six one. Finishes guy in a round. Class. Like, they come with storied amateur backgrounds, right? So they box for the Pinewood Star Club. So they're from that kind of sort of slough, Wokingham area. Don't ask me what Berkshire really looks like. No idea. But they came up through the ranks. You know, Adam more, more, more illustrious than Hassan, but they came from the same school. Stylistically, they have common elements. And the question was always, you know, would they hold up to the physicality of, you know, their respective divisions? And I think they will. You know, there was Shane, which is always a good start, I think, because it gets you into good habits early. You know, my concern will always be like, what happens when someone comes to fight back? But for now, Hassan, destructive. His brother, Adam, equally as destructive. Maybe with a bit more skill to it, but those two guys are going to be exciting for Sky and comes back to the strategic point. These are the guys you want to start with now and work them up the ladder until they become superstars. And hopefully they do become superstars. Fantastic guys, man. So polite, so friendly at breakfast. We're having pictures, laughing and joking. I think some of their family came to stay at the Hilton as well. So they were, they were just around their own, I mean, their own kind of social and familial network, which is good to see. You know, onwards and upwards for those guys. So at this point, I should level with you guys and say, even though I was at the event, I didn't watch the React Poor fight and I didn't watch Nick Campbell versus, oh, what's the other guy's name? Phil Williams. Mainly because I know what you're going to get with Phil Williams. So I was just like, oh, no. But Nick Campbell's huge, by the way. I, I, saw, I saw him in the hotel and wow. Just wow. Man's an absolute giant. The, it was literally the land of the giants in that hotel. So it makes me wonder, how on earth do these guys fit on those beds that the Hilton have? Because they're not ideal, especially if you're heavier. They definitely don't. They don't support your weight and they don't spread the weight across the whole mattress. So they're not amazing. So I had to watch, I had to watch little clips of Richard's fight because I I don't even think it's on TV yet, is it? Excuse me. But we did hear the knockout. That's all I can say is we did hear the knockout and I guess it's it's another win for Rich because we thought it was going to be the main event. So we thought that was the last fight. And because we don't get the, the TV feed, no one told us that actually Florian Marker would be the last fight of the night. And so the, the French lad Florian fought, because I actually did watch this fight. I didn't even realize he was fighting before. I thought he was security, because there, there was a group of them. And they honestly looked like, you know the gangsters you see when they go to Marseille and the gangs of Marseille? These guys look like those guys genuinely looked like at any point they could show up in a Peugeot 308 with AK-47s in the back. Like genuinely intimidating guys. Lovely guys, but intimidating. They all look like genuine hard men. Like literally, we debt collect Monday to Friday, then we have a fight on Saturday. And yeah, I was... I was expecting this to be the breakout fight for Florian. I like Florian. I think Florian's a really nice guy. I guess... 
you know, through spending time with Clifton over the weekend, I was able to well, spend more time with Florian than I have done before. He's a good guy. But we're waiting for that, that breakout performance where he puts someone down and that's the end of it. Then, then we want him to call out guys like Conor Ben. And so I don't know what the, you know, you don't know what the glitch in the matrix is with him. Because he hits hard. There's no question about that. You can hear the punches. He, he hits hard. He's creative with the way he throws punches, but I don't know if, he, if it's that he's not relentless enough. And he's almost caught between two styles. Does he want to be the slick kind of, you know, slippery counter puncher? Or is he just going to be a hard man who takes people out? And I don't know if he's made that decision yet. And that was reflective in the fight. Although the, the, the French side was tough as hell. Absolutely unbreakable. So credit to him because he started to come back later in the fight. But what do you do in, like, in that sort of Florian situation? You either got to match him with someone where you can get that knockout early or do you just push him for titles now and hope that he rises to the occasion because his following is fervent. That's the word. Absolutely insane following he has. And he's maintained it throughout his whole career. So I really respect that. And so, like I said, such a nice guy, man. like such a lovely human being. You know, other people over the weekend weren't as gracious, but he was. Lots, lot, a lot of time for Florian. Would you put him in with Conor Ben now? Probably not. Because, like I said, he needs to commit to a style. And hopefully working with Clifton on, you know, on a more consistent basis and for a longer period of time, we'll start to see that. Because all the bits are there. They just need to come together. And I think... I think we probably covered every fight. If I've missed one, guys, sorry. Now, I have a feeling I've probably, I probably made a big gaffe on this, but eh, I'm okay with that. So let's just talk about, let's just talk about boxer as the proposition. And I said earlier, when you watch it at home, you're judging it versus other Sky Fight Nights, right? Which I get. And you're like, nah, there's nothing keeping me interested here. And like I said, you, you've got to have the right context. The context is, we're rebuilding, guys. Once Hearn left, he pulled out the foundations. He took a lot of the stuff we were relying on. So we've had to rebuild. And that means that the roof may not be up yet. The windows aren't in yet. It's going to get a bit rough for a few weeks. It's like Grand Designs with, with Kevin. Kevin McLeod? Yeah, it's like Grand Designs. You know, we're at that point now where we thought the roof would be up in August in time for the autumn. It's December, we've only just put the walls up and we're all there freezing and it's raining and I'm already 60 grand over budget and I'm on every credit card I can. And that's where we are right now. But it's only going to get better because there's ambition in Sky. So bear with it. This is what I, and I keep saying this. I'm not saying this because they pay me. I wish they did, but they don't. But we've got to give them time to build what they're building. Then we can judge it. Yeah. So from an audience perspective, I understand that you're not getting your your Scotty Cardles and your Lewis Ritsons and you're not you're not getting that. I understand that. Fine. But you've got to understand that that's coming. This isn't the time yet. People need to get disillusioned with Frank. People need to get disillusioned with Eddie. And then you'll start to see the quality start seeping over. And it will come at a much lower price point. But for those in attendance, let's start to contextualize this. 
they will match from shows you're paying 800 quid to sit in the front row. You're paying 250 quid here to be right bang near ringside to the point where, I mean, you could wave to Natasha Jonas. If you wanted to get her phone number, you could probably ask for it. That's how close you are for 250 quid. You pay an extra 30, I think you get into the, into one of the bars. You know what I mean? So you get to hobnob and mingle. That's value. You're still under 300 quid. If you're not from London, it's easy to get to. If you are from London, it's easy to get to. You got box park just up the road. So in terms of like an all day experience, you, you can get it how you want it. So I think right now the proposition works. I enjoy it. Now, I enjoy it because I'm kind of in the sport. So I love the press conference. I love the weigh-ins. I love all of that stuff because it feeds into that whole networking and, you know, that brotherhood and sisterhood. You know, that family feel of people who we've all kind of known each other and everyone's kind of come up the ladder together. So as a, as a live proposition, I prefer it to match them because it's not massively overblown but you still get that, that feeling. And it's a better feeling than you get at Frank's shows, which still feel also a bit like 1997-ish. This doesn't, this feels quite modern. And you're, I mean, there's a bit of thought that's gone into it. And I like that. The guys involved are great. There's Mason who does the social media, all friendly. Everyone's looking to soak up knowledge and go, look, I need to learn more about this boxing thing because it's amazing. When you're in the venue, if you're a boxing fan, it's heaven. So I'll give you an example. You know, big Lawrence Ocoli, big Steph Adenaton, Adenaton, I don't know how to say his surname. Lawrence, big Steph, uh, I think it's Lawrence's brother as well. They were there. Freezy's there. Chris Congo's there. I mean, Ellie Scottney's jumping me from behind. Aye. You know what I mean? Ellie's there. Like that, that Canada Goose jacket she's got, man. I had major jacket envy when I saw that. So everyone's about. George Groves was there. Chris Billum Smith was there. Everyone's about. And they're accessible. Do you know what I mean? I saw photos getting taken here, there, and everywhere. Dean White all up in the pictures. And it's brilliant. Like, and remember, we're talking about this is what you get for your ticket. You had the amateurs there as well. I mean, you had Yusuf Kamari there. You got the media people like Melissa's there. Everyone's accessible. Coogan's about. It's not like being at the O2 or Wembley where these guys are so far away from you, you can't do anything. They're accessible. And if so, if you're a boxing fan, this is what's going to make it real for you. you know, if you can get your kids there, this is what's going to make it real for them. So that's why I like it. The thing I didn't realize was there was an after party. I didn't know about these after, I did not know. I did not know. And so when you're in the hotel and they're like, oh, you know, you need one of these sacred wristbands to get in, yada, yada, yada. I was like, huh? What's that all about? So I thought the after party would be in the Sky Bar, which is the bar at the top of the hotel. So me, Andy, P, and Riku are just having a few drinks. They get in their Ubers. And as I get in, the guy's like, yo, why aren't you coming up to the third floor? I'm like, all right, I don't have a wristband, but I'll try and get in. And here's a life tip. When you're polite to everybody, even the security people, and you're friendly and you have a laugh and a joke, and you're just a nice human being, they don't check. 
So I just walked in. First person I meet is Tasha Jonas. And I'm like, you're still going, Tash. I don't know if she was drinking. I can't say she was drinking when she wasn't drinking, so I don't want to speculate there. But she was definitely one of the last people standing on Saturday night. Her and Hosea Burton were the like, last people standing. So you got to meet her. Um, who, else was, who else was all up in the party? I'm trying to think now. Fraser Clark was there. God, Fraser looks huge. I don't know if that's his fighting weight. If that's his fighting weight, good luck trying to put him down. But Fraser was there. Um, you know, he's also trying to meet people as well. So he's getting to know people. It was good to see him. Um, always good to see Spider Richard. So him and I had a had a quick chat. I'm not gonna lie. I told him like he's Craig's too humble for his own good. So you know, Craig's always trying to interact with people as Craig Richard. So I was like, listen, I'm gonna tell people I'm the former British light heavyweight champion, because one of us has to live off that glory. So that was my whole thing at the after party. I was like, yeah, I'm like heavyweight. Yeah. I think I missed Johnny Nelson. He was going home as I was going in there. But weird thing, Johnny didn't stay in the Hilton. That's what I say, is Johnny didn't stay in the Hilton. I don't know if he has his own place now, but he was definitely not in the Hilton. One person I did expect to see there, who I was disappointed wasn't there, was Adam Smith's mum. So we met her right at the end of the night. And I didn't realize it was Adam Smith's mum. So we, just having, we were just having a conversation because you know, there's an old lady at boxing. I find that fascinating. I thought, okay, how come she's at the boxing? We started talking and she goes, she's like, yeah, my son works here. I'm like, who's your son? She's like, Adam Smith. And I was like, oh, wow. So my first instinct was, imagine if Porky was here. <laughs> he'd had a field day <laughs> just having selfies with, with Adam Smith's mum but she's a lovely lady and I didn't realise so if you have access to first dates I think she's in one of the episodes and it was comedy gold where she was just telling me how, how terrible her date was and she was like I haven't got time for this anymore I'm not a teenager but now she's a class act wonderful woman um, been going to shows for absolute ages like don't try and question her about boxing and so kudos to her fantastic woman hopefully i'll see her again uh on the subject of porky i'm gonna just touch on this i didn't realize how much of his beef i've inherited jesus right. so come back to what's great about doing a show at wembley right. one of the things that's great is people recognize me from what i do on here and people recognize me for what i do with porky right double-edged sword so as, I, as I'm looking for Andy and Riku to go back into the venue, I'm walking back around. And I could just, people just send me, your Terry, you know Spencer's around, don't you? Yeah? You know Spencer Fearon's around. I was, getting, I was getting like on the ground intelligence. And so I bumped into Spencer. All I can say, and I say it with absolute certainty, is... Wherever Porky mandates the fight to happen, whatever the rules are, Spencer Fearon is showing up. Spencer is showing up. And this is one of those kind of places in life where you have to remember you're dealing with grown men here. Russ has said his piece about Spencer. It has consequences when it hits the public domain. Because once something goes public... You can't sort it out behind the scenes. Spencer's not happy about that because he's like, yo, this is drawing attention to me in a way that I don't really like, I haven't asked for. 
and you know I haven't even had a I mean like you, you didn't come to me before so I could have a right of reply you just put it out there so now I've got to chase a story that I don't agree with but he's yeah he's livid at the disrespect he's absolutely livid like livid do you know when he was at that point where he wasn't even trying to to listen to anything counter to when I see him, I'm going to do it. No, 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 let me, I take the breaks there. When I see him, dot, 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 right? When it got to that, I was like, listen, you guys need to just sort it out however you want to do it. Cool. Right? And I thought it was done at that point. I thought it was done at that point. I hit the corner to to see him might have been Chris Conger, I can't remember. And then Dean White comes and he's like, yo, what's going on with your mate Porky? And I'm like, oh my God. Oh man, man, oh man. And this is why I tell you in life and be a good person because I've never said anything bad about Dean or Spencer. I quite like them. That's the thing. I quite like them as people. I quite like them in boxing. They're good characters. And they're like, hey, you see your friend Porky, Yeah. Just, just let him know we're going to see him real soon. I'm like, oh, God. And me being me, I'm like, well, you're telling me there's no way back from this? He's like, no. No, 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 no. He said it. He's got to be accountable for it. And I was like, you know what? You lot are all grown men. As long as you don't have a problem with me, because, you know what I mean, that's, that's a different discussion. But as long as you don't have a problem with me, cool. You, you're all adults. Do you know what I mean? You... He's in his situation. You're in your situation. Sort it out. I, I'm stepping back from all of this now because I'm trying to enjoy myself. And I was like, wow. And no, I would just say this. If someone had that energy towards me, I'd know that I had to address it and deal with it decisively. This isn't, this isn't going to go away. This isn't something that you can ignore and say, in two years' time, it ain't going to be relevant. This is hard. And it's a reminder to people in the media. It's a reminder to all of you guys who are doing podcasts and doing videos. There are only two options you have. Broadcast the stuff you're willing to stand behind. And then you can come to the shows and you can be around people and you can be accountable. Or do your content Go after whoever you want to go after. Do your takedown videos and whatever. But just know that you can't come to these venues because there'll be people looking for you. Yeah, there'll be people looking. You You might get a drink thrown in your face. You might get a backhand. I don't know. But when I do my product, I do it with the aim that I'm going to say the things I believe in to the point where I can walk into any venue. And if someone says, yo, why did you say that? I can tell them without fear. I don't have to hide. I can, go to, I can still go to any show I want to go to, anywhere. Because I call it as I see it. And I would say the same things to the people as I say here. You know, just be careful who you antagonize. Because you don't know where the, where the tentacles will go. But what it means is you almost become paranoid about going to shows because you don't know who's going to show up and I don't want to be in that position which is why I don't talk too crazy and in the times that I have done I have to be prepared to apologize and I'll give you a real life example of this 
about six years ago, I posted a picture with a caption about someone. And I shouldn't have done that, right? Because he was a boxer that I knew and he was a friend of a friend and actually we were indirectly friends and we should have been cool. And I got caught in my emotions and I lost my temper, I lost my cool. And I published it and then it got heated between us and I stood my ground because I'm like, I'm not backing down to anyone. And I was like, look, look at the club I'm at. I'm not going to see him because he ain't going to achieve what we achieved. We won't even be at the same shows. And I thought it would just go away. Hand around, I thought it would just go away. Fast forward a year and a half down the line. I'm walking into Fitzroy Lodge on a Saturday and I get a text. It's like, Terry, big Aussie's here. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm hoping at this point, someone, someone's, someone's, a mutual friend's got to him and it's all calmed down and it's all done. I get in. I haven't even put my bag down. Mate, we've gone from zero to 100. And it's only at that point you realize I'm stood in front of a six foot eight guy who's the best part of 120 kilos and he's in better shape than me. And I'm like, and in my head I said to myself, if I can just get one good punch in, I'll take the rest of them coming back because someone's got to break this up at some point. Although they'd have probably left it. And then in my head, I said, right, kill or be killed. And so I, so I fronted it out to the point where they had to separate us for a bit. And then, you know, we both got told to grow up and so forth. But that tension lingered for about another two and a half, three years. And it took us like, it took us a while before we were cool. And I don't want to go through that again because it was needless. And I wish I'd been smart enough immediately to have apologized and said, mate, I screwed up. I screwed up because it was me. I screwed up, even though it was someone else sent it to him to antagonize. You know, someone actually did that. Imagine someone from the same gym as you, someone you, you've known for years, betraying you like that, just so they could have a laugh and a joke. And it, it caused problems, man. It caused problems. Real, real problems it caused. That's what I'm saying to you. Just be careful what you put in the public domain and be sure you're willing to stand behind it because boxing is a sport populated by insecure men. By insecure men who will address problems with violence. If you're okay with that, cool, do your thing. But be visible with it. And I'd say that to Porky like I say that to anyone else. Be visible with it. Be at the shows. Don't be at the gyms because you can, you can cherry pick gyms be at the shows. That's what I do. I got, I got, listen, Coogan came and pulled me up. And he, you know what I mean? There's some things I can't talk about what we discussed, but in essence, he's discussing, he's like, listen, are you one of the troll mob or are you not one of the troll mob? I'm like, you know I'm not one of the troll mob. I mean, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's what, that's what I said to him. And we had a conversation as adults, you know, and we agreed on a way of working between us. Now, I come back to this point over and over again. When someone says to me, listen, message me and I'll message back and I show them evidence. I'm like, look, when I message you, you don't respond. This is why, <laughs> this is why you hear what you hear. You know, people want to have it their own way. So, mate, I've got the velvet glove in the left hand and I've got an axe in the right hand, man. You, you choose which one you get. Honestly, you choose which one you get. 
Because this can be a beautiful sport as long as people understand that everyone's in this ecosystem performing a role. Boxing's the Serengeti. There are lions, there are zebras, there's a little mongoose there, a little meerkat. There's all sorts of, I mean, all sorts of, you know, fauna, large and small, flora even. There's all sorts. And that's what makes it an ecosystem. So I don't have to be like anyone else. I don't have to be like Eddie. I don't have to be like Frank. But I am accountable. And that more people need to be held accountable for what they do and what they say. Yeah? Because that rodent's got away for a long time. You notice how... You know, you're hearing about me making these little moves and there's no rodent anywhere. And I still got to catch hold of him because he was out there perpetrating myths and rumors about me, which weren't good. And I don't want to touch on that too much because what I want to say is overall the energy was fantastic. Even with Dean White, like, you know, he'll deal with Porky, but at least between us, it's all right. It'll always be all right. And if he needs help from me, he's got it. Same with Spencer. So I enjoyed Saturday night, enjoyed the after party. Um, who, I mean, mate, I'm around people I don't even know at this after party. Like there's a lady, I don't know if it's, and I'm going to get stuff mixed up because I put a lot of alcohol away, but is there someone called Maisie that was in EastEnders? Because I think we did a drink together. Uh, Jay Jones, the Taekwondo lady, she was there. There was a lady called Yasmin Rabir. No idea who she is, but some kind of model or something. So, there were, you know, I mean, there were all of these influences, the great and the good. And that's a lot of boxers shooting their shots, so fair play to them. But if if that's what it's going to be like to to be in this boxer ecosystem, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm on board with this because that's a lot of fun. And that's all you want from boxing is for boxing to be fun. I'm trying to think who else was there. I have no idea. Man. But there was just a load of these influencers. I'm supposed to know them. I'm in a few pictures with some of them. I don't know. But it was a lot of fun. You know, by the time I got to bed, I think it was like 3.15 in the morning. And I was like, yeah. And all that really cost me was 250 quid for a ticket and some beer. You know? Worth it. Now imagine you could have spent 800 quid at a matchroom show and not had that same feeling, not had those same relationships, not had those same conversations, man, where you just keep building your own individual brand and you just build your networks up, put people in touch with each other. And, you know, one thing I wanted to say, and I saw Chris Congo, everyone just get behind Chris Congo because I think he's been unlucky, man. He's made some bad decisions in boxing, but he's a talented guy that deserves to be seen. And I don't think we make enough noise for Chris Congo. Oh, I don't think he makes enough noise for himself. But if we want boxing to, to be a meritocracy, which it should be, or, or skillocracy, as someone said recently, I can't remember who, guys like Chris Congo should be on TV. We should be able to see them and judge them and evaluate them. So I hope he does, because I like Chris. I think Chris is a good man. And in closing, I want to say, Thanks to Andy, no, thanks to Andy P, Riku H, Rob Martin. Ah, oh, man, no, no better battalion of soldiers to have around you than those guys. So they were class. I was gutted I didn't get to see some other people that I know were there from Instagram and so on and so forth. Man, I, I just wasn't organized enough, so I apologize for that. But yeah, I think lesson learned. If they do another Wembley show and it's decent, you know I mean, let's try and do some daytime drinks because... Now that I realize that I can get from, from that Hilton to mine in 20 minutes, man, that's, 
I don't even have to stay there anymore. Those beds were terrible. The breakfast was rubbish. Hilton breakfasts have really gone backwards. Selection of fruit, terrible. Breakfast items, terrible if you don't eat pork. So, not really worth it. The mattresses feel like they're five years old. I might make a complaint. The pillows were terrible. The aircon sounds literally like you've got an orchestra in the damn room. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and that was meant to be like the, the king suite that I was in. Well, it wasn't worth it. And on that note, let me tap out. So to set expectations, I need to do a Crawford Spence one. So no one asked me, are you going to do one on Crawford Spence? If you do, I'll know you haven't listened to this one. Okay, take care, guys. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs>